0: Amen. let's pray together. Thank you Lord for loving us and thank you for this day. I pray God that you made much of and God, nothing of us. I pray today God for your word as it is spoken that it would not lay on deaf hearts. God, it would not return for it, but God, it was ghost sent forth as the purpose that we'll accomplish. And I pray for Pastor Lee that you would use him today. God, I pray for receptive hearts and receptive ears. Uh, God, that you would change our, our hearts today, that we be made more in your image. Thank you for loving us, and I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good job, ladies. You're going to have a, a place with your tambourines here in just a few moments. So Sawyer's still in the hospital with RSV. They're not able to get his t- temper down, not his temper, but his temperature down, and they're not able to uh, get his oxygen strong enough for him to go home. Piper was in the emergency room to about three. They've been there and back, and they're back again, and uh, so... Um, you know, those two little babies have been sick. And, of course, that's hard on Philip and Sarah. So we need to be praying for Philip and Sarah, but especially for Piper and Sawyer. RSV, RSV, I don't even know what it is, but it's going around pretty good. Hospitals are full with people with the flu and other illnesses, and a lot of children, evidently, are coming down with this RSV. Little uh, Tanner Kemp, two weeks ago, we prayed for him. He was in the hospital with RSV and um, Preston talked to me, spoke with me and said, hey, so talk with, actually with uh, Nathan and he got word to me, uh, please have the church pray for um, Tanner. They, 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 they keep on trying to wean him off the oxygen and they're not able to do it. And so April told me this week that uh, we prayed about 1130 And she said she remembered that was exactly the time that the the nurses came in and tried to take him off the oxygen. And they had tried several times before and wasn't able to do it. They came at 1130, about the same time we were praying, and they were able to take him off of oxygen at that time. Now, the Lord answered her prayer. Amen. The Lord answered a prayer. So, this morning, let's pray for Sawyer and for Piper as, and for Philip and Sarah. We're so grateful, Lord, for answers to prayer. We're so grateful, Father, that you have given us a faith that stirs our heart to pray. And, Lord, also a faith that after we pray, if the answer is no or wait a while, Our faith allows us to understand it's for your glory. It's not a result of anyone's sin. It's not a result of anyone's lack of faith. Because today we're praying in faith. We believe. We know you. We recognize you. We hear your voice, Lord. We feel your presence. Lord, this morning we are feeling the presence of your spirit. It's warming our heart. It's comforting our heart. Your Spirit already this morning has revealed to some of us some, some thoughts that we need to be aware of. Uh, some, uh, your Spirit has come and has corrected us this morning, has rebuked us this morning, has messed with our attitude. There are adjustments being made. Lord, your Spirit has come this morning and has caused us to want to worship. And Lord, we've, many of us have been in a struggle we, some of us have wor- worshiped you only partially today because we're so burdened down with some of the things of the world, some troubles, some struggles, some illnesses, some financial situations, some disappointments. We've we, we faced some battles this week, Lord, and, and we're, we're pretty wrung out on Sunday and we come before your presence and the Holy Spirit is here, Lord, and we rejoice in that and, and he works to elevate our worship. And Lord, we're the ones that get in the way. So your spirit's at work here. We believe in you. We recognize you, Lord. And so at this time, I pray that all of the junk that's happened this week, all the issues that we faced, all the problems we're going through, all the trials, all the temptations, Lord, all the issues that we battle with, I pray that right now, each one of us, by faith, are able to lay them aside and just worship you just honor you just love you lord we recognize that we are to love you with such a fervent spirit that our enemy is envious of that devotion that the world is envious of our love for you and so this morning lord we join our hearts and minds together And we bond together in faith, believing in your ability to heal people of physical illnesses, of spiritual illnesses, of emotional issues, of relational issues, of heartache and heartbreak. Lord, there's some this morning that are depressed. There's some this morning that are really discouraged. There's some this morning that are broken. Father, your spirit reminded me this weekend in our retreat that all of us have been through stuff. All of us have have we all have hurts and pains, but yet, Lord, you're faithful, and your spirit is always working on those hurts and pains. So, Father, we believe. And, Lord, for those who, who aren't able to acknowledge that belief to you today from their heart, I pray that you'll help their unbelief. We pray for Sawyer. Lord, he needs to get healed. He's a weak little fellow with his lungs, Lord. He needs to be healed, Lord. He's having troubles. I pray that you'll heal him for your glory. I pray you'll heal him for your glory. Heal Piper, Lord, with this RSV. Lord, I'm sure this morning there are other prayer needs here this morning, and, and I pray that right now that you will hear each one as they're offered up to you. So either verbally or internally, all the needs you have in your life, will you offer them up to our almighty Lord? Offer them up. Offer them up to the Lord. Pray for those who are spiritually bankrupt. Pray for those who are yet to believe in Jesus. You know a lot of people like that. Pray for those who are going through some real crisis in their family. Pray for those who are about to give up. pray for those who are discouraged pray for those that have a sin that has a strong hold on their life some are between the egyptian army in the red sea and they're hopeless They're without answer. Pray that the Lord will give them the faith to wait for that sea to be parted and they can walk across on dry land. Thank you for hearing us this morning, Lord. Answer our prayers. We receive, we accept the no's. We receive and accept the wait a while's. And we rejoice in the yeses. We rejoice in answered prayer either way, Lord, because we know that your way is best and your way is right and you're sovereign. And we bow before what you want, not what we want. Help us this morning to learn from this passage. Help us this morning, Lord, to, to be willing to confront jealousy, anger, rage, worry, and envy. In Jesus' name, amen. There were two shop owners. They had shops across the street from each other. And they were rivals, bitter rivals. They would stand at the front of their shop and when someone would come in one of their stores, they looked look across the way and just just gloat that they had a customer. And they were always in competition. They couldn't speak to each other. If, if one got a customer, he would triumph over the other. God sent an angel to one of the shopkeepers and the angel met the shopkeeper and said, I'm here to teach you a lesson. Now here's the deal. I've been sent to give you whatever you ask for. However, you've got to understand that whatever you ask for, the other shopkeeper is going to receive twice as much. So if you ask me that you're going to be wealthy, he's going to receive twice the wealth. If you ask that you're happy, then he'll receive twice the happiness. If you ask that one of your children become famous, he's going to have his children receive twice the the state of famousness. Famous to He's going to get famous on you. So be careful what you ask for because I want you to know that the other man is going to receive twice as much. The man thought about it for a while, frowned a little bit. And then he said, all right, I'm ready. My my request is strike me blind in one eye. That is envy. Jealousy and envy are two different things. They're close related, but they're two different things. Jealousy is... I really want what you have and it upsets me. Envy is I want what you have and I'm mad about it, I'm angry about it, and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to take it away from you. Envy. Envy. 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now, verses 1 through 4 was last week. Joe, Nathan, and David become friends. And so we pick it up in verse 5. David is now in in the palace all the time. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him a commander over the men of war, an appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers alike. We already know enough about Saul that he would not have been a good man to work for. And they were excited that David was assuming more and more leadership. Verse six, when the victorious Israelite army was returning home after David had killed the Philistine, women, women, from all the towns of Israel came out to meet King Saul They sang and danced for joy with tambourines and cymbals. Didn't have any cymbals. There's little cymbals on those tambourines, but we got some tambourines today, and we've got some ladies here today that say they're willing to be a little crazy today. So ladies of the tambourines, please come forward. I just want us to get kind of an idea of what this was like. Now the tambourines are being handed off to other people. (laughs) Come on up. Don't be shy. We're all family here today, except for a couple people that will judge you. All right. Now y'all be quiet. Quit talking. Quit talking. All right. So this was their song Now I'm no singer And I don't know tune And I tried to put this to Hotel California And I couldn't do it How about this Saul has killed his thousands And David his tens of thousands Tens of thousands Alright Saul has killed his thousands And David his tens of thousands Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Dance. 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 Oh, look at the chickens in the back. Nobody see me. All right, ladies, thank you very much. (laughs) Driving down the road, that verse popped in my mind, and I thought, it'd be really cool if we did that today. Well, they came home victoriously, The women were excited, they rejoiced, they danced with joy and they sang, Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Look at verse 8. This made Saul very angry. What's this? They credit David with ten thousands and me with only a thousand. Next, they'll be making him their king. So from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. And we're going to see that it was really jealousy times two. It wasn't just jealousy, but jealousy times two. The very next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul and he began to rave in his house like a madman. David was playing the harp as he did each day, but Saul had a spear in his hand and he suddenly hurled it at David, intending to pin him to the wall, but David's escaped him twice. Saul was then afraid of David For the Lord was with David and had turned away from Saul. Finally, Saul sent him away and appointed him commander over a thousand men, and David faithfully led his troops into battle. David continued to succeed in everything he did, for the Lord was with him. When Saul recognized this, he became even more afraid. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he was so successful at leading his troops in the battle. So Saul has jealousy. Saul has anger, verse 8. Jealousy, verse 9. Rage, verse 10. Verse 11, murder. Murder. He tried to pin David to the wall with his spear. But David was too quick and avoided him on two different occasions. So jealousy is wanting something that someone else has. Envy is being angry about what someone else has. And you want it so anger builds up and you rage and you stew and you fester and envy leads to murder. Envy leads to murder attempts. Saul didn't get to murder David, but not because he didn't try. He tried twice in this occasion to pin him to the wall with his spear, and he missed both times. Anger builds, jealousy builds, and envy takes over, and we work to harm, hurt, ruin, steal from person, to destroy a person. Jealousy times two. I'm jealous of your new truck. I think about it. And as time goes on, I get angry. I'm mad at God. Why can't I get a brand new truck like that? How come I got the old dog? Why couldn't I do that? Why couldn't I have that? Why? why I mean, I'm, I literally loathe that guy because he's been so successful in his life money-wise. So jealousy turns into anger, and anger and jealousy combined times two. Jealousy times anger in jealousy times two, and it becomes envy. And envy takes over when I see you with your fancy truck parked at the church, and I accidentally back into your truck with my old dog. Right? That's envy. That's how that works. It is the sin no one wants to confess. I, I was thinking this week, I've been a pastor 37 years. That's a long time. And as a pastor, I, I don't, it may have happened, and my memory is, is struggling these days, but I, I don't remember anyone ever confessing the sin of envy to me. Now, on two different occasions, I've had someone confess the sin of murder, believe it or not. On, on several occasions, I've had people confess the sin of adultery to me. I've had people confess the sin of theft. I've had people come and say they're so broken they've been cheating on their taxes, and they just they want some relief. I've had people confess all kinds of relational sins in my life, but for the life of me, I don't ever remember anyone coming up and say, "Pastor, I want to confess the sin of envy. It's a sin we don't like to think about. But it's a sin that we have. Saul is eat up with envy. He's eat up with it. Envy is a sin that there's nothing good comes from it. I mean, the truth is, if you lust after something, you have a little bit of enjoyment about that. The other day, I lusted after the lottery. I walked into the store, got me a drink. And this guy bought him some lottery tickets. And, I, and he goes, boy, it's up high today. And, and I had like four or five dollars, or four dollar bills, it's four, that was, was left uh, from uh, buying my diet, Dr. Pepper. And uh, I walk out of there, and uh, I got to thinking about it. I'd like to have $6.8 million cash value. I went right back in there and said, I don't know how to do it, but I want four of those tickets. He said, well, those tickets are $2 each. What he's talking about is uh, the Powerball. I said, well, I don't know about that. Which one is a dollar each? He said, the Texas lottery. You can get that for a dollar each. Give me four of them. And he pushed a button there and I got four numbers. I went home and I was probably working on this sermon, probably the one before, honestly. And I was writing things out. And all of a sudden, I start writing down everything I would do with $6.8 million. You would have a free preacher as long as you wanted him. You would. You'd also get a big offering. You'd also see me driving around in a real nice truck. I might even get a little uppity back then. No, I wouldn't. I'd be the same guy. You know, I'd do this for my son. I'd do this for my grandkids. I'd set them up in, with some college funds, and I'd do this for Amy, and I'd do this for Elizabeth's voice, and I'd do this and do that. I'd, I'd, I'd give my dad $100,000 just to make him stew over it, How that boy get $100,000. I never would tell him how I got it just give him the money. It would drive him nuts. Boy, his Alzheimer's would be bleeping. Ding, 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 ding. wouldn't give my mother nothing (laughs) make her just (laughs) no I'd give her something I thought about buying Susan's mama hound in in, in Tahlequah and put a teepee on the top of it that would really said Colleen I'm going to build you a house and I'm going to build the way I want it you can't say nothing about it and I was going to build a ladder from the inside up and have a teepee on top so she can do a war dance up there on top of that And I think it would be absolutely wonderful that her son-in-law from Texas built her a teepee and I'd do it burnt orange and make them look at it every day. Hallelujah for the glory of God, right? And I was just enjoying and I had a little envy take over. You know, we're around a lot of people making lots of money. And, and that, that $6 million may not be any big deal to them. And, and I had to catch myself a little bit. But I enjoyed it for a moment. I didn't get one number right. Not one number. Matter of fact, when I went to bed, I forgot about it. You check on Saturday night and woke up Sunday morning and said, let me see if I won. Not one number I won. It's two, four, you know, could have put $4 in, in a fund, maybe done better. But if you lust, you get a little momentary pleasure. If you're guilty of sloth, you sleep a little bit. I mean, if you're guilty of lazy, at least, you know, you're not burning the candle at both ends. There's a little bit of psychological pleasure there. I mean, even when you get angry and you blow your top, there's a little relief there for a moment. Of course, then the guilt is more than, you know, makes up for the pleasure you might see of telling people off or something. But with envy, no redeeming qualities. Nothing good. Matter of fact, envy just kills, steals, and destroys. I believe one of Satan's greatest weapons is envy. Sow the seed of jealousy. Let the anger begin to take over. And then, boom, envy. It'll ruin someone. It'll destroy people. It'll cause people not to be able to worship, not to believe in God, not to trust in God, not to live for God. It'll cause families to implode from within. Envy will do that. Envy is a horrible, nasty sin. Horrible, nasty sin. Something else about the sin of envy. Did you know that the sin of envy is most prevalent around moderately successful people? Now, anyone can envy, but it especially strikes those who have made it part way up the ladder of life. You've climbed a few rungs, but you still got a long way to go in your mind. And envy strikes us when we realize that we're at least as good, equal to those who are ahead of us. And many times we're clearly better than the people that are ahead of us in the the climbing the ladder of success. So why are they still ahead of us? Why are they still ahead of us? Why, Why are they doing better than we do? Why does it work out better for them? Why do they keep on landing on their feet and from your perspective you keep on struggling? You've made it a long way, but you had plans, you have ambitions, you want to move forward, and it looks like you've been stuck, plateaued halfway up the ladder, and you can't move forward, it seems like. Envy takes strong hold of people halfway up the ladder. It's a sin that makes us believe the worst about others. Envy causes us to doubt the motives of those around us. If people are kind to us, we question their kindness. And envy attacks those who succeed around us. It's an illness of the soul that destroys our ability to see others objectively, it's always subjective. It's always strong opinions of how things are without any real objective facts to support those strong feelings. A lot of words are used when the sin of envy is in control like everyone is against me. No one understands. Here's a simple definition. Envy is unhappiness at the success of others and pleasure at the suffering of others. When we envy, we're sad when others are glad and glad when they are sad. The values of life are turned upside down. Saul. Saul had an opportunity here. Even at this moment, now God knew his heart and he had done abandoned Saul. Saul. But Saul had opportunity. He was made king. He could have had honoring God-honoring principles, and, and he could have been something else, but that was not to be. And Saul is, is unable to recognize what is happening here because of himself. The women sang. Saul killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. Saul heard that, and he lost his mind. Envy. Envy took a hold of him. You might think you're struggling with the sin of envy when you regret that your friends have succeeded where you have not. You believe you would have done better if you'd have gotten the right brakes. If you would have been born on the other side of the train tracks, you might be ahead today. You ever thought, fellas, if you, for you that didn't have that life, if you'd have been able to go to the big school and join the right fraternity and been able to network like other people you live around have done, you might be a way ahead of where you are now because it's obvious when you get to be your age, you just don't know the right people. And oh, so-and-so not knows the right people, and you don't, and it's held you back. And so envy takes over. Now, if you're the other person there, if you were born on the right side of the tracks and you received the right kind of information about how business works and how the world works and you had a leg up on other people, you might now have an understanding of why those who that's not true of you have a hard time dealing with you because of envy. People controlled by envy use excuses to explain why someone else did better than they did. There's always an excuse. They temper their compliments with, but. Envy cannot praise, compliment, encourage very well. They just can't bring themselves to do it. Those controlled by envy walk the other way rather than congratulate a friend who's experienced good fortune. They gloat when someone else gets caught because they had it coming to them. They gloat. They enjoy that. Envy enjoys seeing people suffer because of their sin. Envy shows up when people cannot sincerely rejoice with other people when they've done well. Envy. We see this in sports, don't we? Can you root for the Patriots? No. Can you root for the Eagles? No. Can't even root for the Cowboys, can we? Oh, we can? All right. There's another summer for that, I guess. (laughs) How about this one? Envy is in charge and control when you can't be friends with someone who have excelled in your area of work. Envy causes people to say things like this. Now I really like old so and so, but before you get overboard with them, let me tell you about them. Right? Have you met old Lee Brewer? Someone say, "Yeah, I met him." But let me tell you about him. Ah, envy. Happy to hear that some public figures are caught in sin. Now, what we've experienced lately—has there been a few times that you went good? Good, politician on one side gets caught in some kind of of sin and they're kicked out or whatever happens to them, all the news. You go, good, the other side gets caught or your side gets caught and you go, oh, I'm sure sure this is not quite what we think it is. That's envy. We keep our eyes on others to make sure no one gets ahead unfairly. We watch the shopkeeper on the other side of the street. We're better at criticism than we are praise. Envy's in charge. You can't be around other people without complaining about how hard life is for you by comparison to them. That's envy. That's what that is. And we just have a hard time when we're controlled by envy, believing our friends have more talent than we do. Now, I'm just going to read through the scripture and then make another comment on verse 30 to fulfill this passage. But what we see here between 17 and 29 is we see envy in control of Saul. Check out Saul. What a cat this is. One day Saul said to David, I am ready to give you my older daughter, Merib as your wife, but first you must prove yourself to be a real warrior by fighting the Lord's battles. I'm thinking, wasn't Goliath enough? Right? I mean, come on, Saul. He's won everything he's done. What more do you need? So there's a conniver going on here. For Saul thought, I'll send him out against the Philistines and let them kill him rather than doing it myself. Murder. I tried to pin him against the wall, but obviously I'm a bad shot with my spear. So I'm going to send him out with not enough men to fight the Philistines and other enemies. And, and maybe he'll die that way. Who am I? And what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed. My father's family is nothing. So when the time came for Saul to give his daughter Marib to, in marriage to David, he gave her instead to Adriel, a man from Mahola. In the meantime, Saul's daughter Michal had fallen in love with David, and Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Here's another chance to see him killed by the Philistines. Saul had Saul said to himself, but to David he said, "Today you have a second chance to become my son-in-law." Then Saul told his men to say to David. The king really likes you, and so do we. Why don't you accept the king's offer and become his son-in-law? When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor man from a humble family afford the bride price for the daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to the king, he told them, Tell David that all I want for the bride price is a 100 Philistine foreskins. Vengeance on my enemies is all I really want. But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. David was delighted to accept the offer. Before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and killed 200 Philistines. Then David fulfilled the king's requirements by presenting all their foreskins to him So Saul gave his daughter Michal to David to be his wife. What a party that had to have been. When David realized that the Lord was with David and how much his daughter Michal loved him, Saul became even more afraid of him. And he remained David's enemy for the rest of his life. Gives him his daughter. And he hates him. Every time, verse 30, the commanders of the Philistines attacked David, I mean, attacked, David was more successful against them than all the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous. So you got two things going on here. Saul is absolutely being destroyed from within because of of envy. The sin of envy. And David, on the other hand, is succeeding in everything he does, and God is just exalting David to a place of greater platform. Everything he did benefited, and he became famous. He was their general. The Lord exalts. The Lord lifts some up by his choosing. And he chose David to lift him up. When God is lifting someone up to a high platform, a high place of leverage, of leadership in his kingdom, in this world, do not be envious of what God does. Because it will destroy You. Jealousy, anger, rage, murder, fear. Do not play around with these sins of Saul. Repent, repent of your sins. Because sin will destroy. Sin will multiply in you, as Galatians 6 teaches us. Sin will mess you up. And that's what we see in the life of Saul. May the word of the Lord penetrate your heart. Say with me, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the people of God are all we need, and we need each desperately. Amen. Ushers, come forward.